The following is a presentation of the Premier Dance Network. Hello and welcome back. Thanks for coming to chat. I am your host, Barry Corollis, and you are listening to Pa the Chat Talking Dance on the Premier Dance Network. In this weekly podcast, I candidly offer educational conversations and thoughtful analysis on all things dance. With my vast background as a director, choreographer, instructor, and dancer, I am happy to share my 14 plus years of experience with you, whether you're a professional dancer or just listening in for an insider's look into our fascinating art form. So, put your earbuds in, grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and let's talk dance. Friday, Friday, Friday. I hope you all had a wonderful week. I've been working hard prepping for the premiere of my new ballet at Columbia University, teaching a bunch and working to fill up the rest of the holes in my summer teaching schedule. Things have actually felt a bit calmer over the past few weeks, even though they are anything but that. (laughs) But having a couple fewer responsibilities over these past two weeks has given me just a little bit of breathing room in my schedule. The funny part about all of this is that the extra breathing room, uh, it doesn't mean that I'm actually getting more done. (laughs) It actually means that I don't really want to get anything done. It's funny how that works, Uh, but I'm pushing through it and trying to accomplish everything that I'm hoping to to get done in, in my week. Uh, just a reminder, I am still teaching open advanced beginner ballet classes at Broadway Dance Center every Friday through the end of April. Uh, it's a 6 p.m. class and it is, uh, it's, it's mostly adults, but it's, it's a nice mix of students and sometimes I get professionals in there and sometimes we have more advanced beginner intermediate students. So, uh, come on in and check that out. I, I even had a podcast listener in one of my classes last week at Steps. So if you do come take class with me, don't forget to tell me that you're a listener. It was really exciting to have that dancer join me in class. So I've been struggling to come up with a topic this week <laughs> because aside from the fact that, like I said, now that I have a little bit of breathing room, I just don't want to do anything. Um, just imagine coming up with a weekly topic to talk on for thousands of listeners every single week. It's almost been an entire year since I started running these podcasts, and I have put out a podcast every single week since. So I think I've finally settled on a fun idea for all of you. Uh, instead of going into a really deep topic, I thought that we would touch upon something uh, relevant to the season. The season. Uh, so with the beginning of spring, we often feel like we need to run around our houses and clean all the cobwebs and the corners of rooms and organize our drawers. Everybody's getting their taxes ready and mopping the floors. So inspired by the idea of spring cleaning and also by the idea that we are well into the beginning of spring, I'm going to offer you some spring cleaning tips for you to check in with at bar to make sure you are cleaning up any bad habits that may have gotten left behind while you focus on performances or as you've already passed the beginning of the the school year for classes. So without further ado, here are some ideas for your spring technique cleaning at bar. And these are kind of cues that I find myself often giving to my students in class that come up quite quite regularly. So, as we know, we always start with plies. 
Uh, what I have here is, are you bouncing quickly out of your plies? Uh, a lot of my students tend to bounce out of their plies instead of engaging their inner thighs to straighten their legs. Uh, so, for instance, instead of a slow press into the ground and an equal rise back up, I, I see just a slow press in the ground and a quick rise where the legs straighten. So, my suggestion is to pretend like you have an accordion between your legs and you need to apply equal pressure pushing in from the backs of your legs to close that accordion tight. And what that will do is that will create some pressure between your thighs and it will prevent you from quickly pulling your, your, the backs of your legs towards each other. Alright, so there's plies. I'm going to just press on through these. Okay, tondus. Are you fully extending your tondus? And I don't mean your feet. I mean from the hip down. Without moving your hips uh, in any direction, forward or back, you want to scratch your big toe back and forth on the floor at the end of your tondu. So after you do that a few times, you want to go to the furthest reach of that scratch while keeping your leg on the floor. Not only will this give you your longest tendu possible in ballet, we love length. And those that don't, don't do ballet uh, and that take those bar classes and whatnot, this is why people want to do exercises that dancers do. It gives you nice long, long muscles and lines. But yeah, aside from having that longest tendu possible, it will also ensure that the muscles closest to your hip joint are engaged, which will make anything beyond a tendu off the floor like a jeté or a Rambatma or Develope, that much easier to execute. Moving on to jetés. Are you hitting 45 degrees in your jeté? <laughs> Remember, 45 degrees is not knee height. Uh, everybody's leg lengths are different, so I can't ensure you that that's 45 degrees. The easiest way to make sure that you are hitting 90, uh, 45 degrees every single time is to put your arm at 90 degrees and then go diagonally down towards the floor from there. Half of the, from straight to the floor up to 90 degrees is 45 is 45 degrees. So that's how you can tell. So make sure that your jetés are getting that high. Every single jeté should always be the same height. Jeté does not change every time you jeté. Next up, rond de jambe à terre. Remember that the accent in rond de jambe happens on the beat uh, and, and it comes from the toes lengthening and pushing out around the standing leg. It doesn't come from a fully pointed foot and an opening. So the arch is fully extended and the toes are pressing into the ground. And when you want to accent on the count, say if you do on uh, every count, you would extend the toes on the one, on the two, extend the toes, extend the toes. All right, so make sure that you are extending the toes and then pressing the accent out. Um, as you create that circle with your working leg around your standing leg. Next up, we have rond de jambe en l'air. Make sure that when you are performing double rond de jambes en l'air that you don't feel like you are stirring a teacup with your foot. The first time I ever came up with this correction, I was teaching at Alaska Dance Theater, the advanced division, and it was Halloween time, so this was quite relevant. Um, <laughs> so you should feel like you are stirring something much larger than a teacup. Uh, because it was Halloween, I always tell people to think of stirring a cauldron, you know, like a witch stirring a cauldron. So if you stirred a cauldron with a spoon, it would be a very wide, round, circular movement. It wouldn't be a tiny little uh, quick, quick movement. So you want to make sure that you're really stirring fully in those rond de jambes en l'air. 
moving on, we get to fondue. I tend to first introduce fouettes in class during fondue, and not fouettes that are performed like a pirouette that you see uh, the women execute during most classical pas de deux. If you are performing fouettes from devant to arabesque or from derriere to devant, make sure that the movement doesn't turn as it lifts. Because we tie them together so seamlessly, there is the illusion that this is happening. But, in reality, we rise first and then turn. Uh, this makes sure that we don't have any issues with how solid our standing leg is, and so that it can support us as we pivot from one direction to the other. Now, as we slowly break this down, yes, you will see it go releve and then turn around turning around to the other side uh but as we get more advanced the way we execute it is seamlessly to create that illusion that you are turning as you are rising usually after fondues in class i like to give a nice stretch uh and most time i let the dancers in my class unless they're beginner students i let them choose whichever stretch that they feel that they need uh, but one thing that I do find in a lot of my classes uh, is is that uh, students there aren't stretching the backs of their legs or stretching with the backs of their legs fully engaged in full extension. I see a handful of dancers in my classes stretching with mildly bent knees. And what this tends to do is bring the stretch from the muscle into the ligaments of the back of the knee. And it keeps one from really, truly getting a full stretch. So, imagine doing a devilope and you see a very mildly bent knee uh, with the working leg that's up in the air. Yeah, you don't really want to see that. So, make sure that you get those knees, kneecaps lifted and, and fully engage your, your muscles so that you are stretching them appropriately and maximizing your stretch so that you can improve and get, become more flexible. We do this stretch to get all this flexibility so that we can use it in adagio. So, next up is adagio. Whatever you do, and no matter how high your leg is, resist the urge to quickly extend the knee at the end of a développé. Not only is that jarring to a very important joint that you need in order to have a long career, it is also the most nutritional moment in a développé. <laughs> I can't believe I used the word nutritional for a developé. <laughs> but it, it is, it's, it, it gives you the most uh, benefit in your developé. You put in all of that work <laughs> to hold your leg in the air. You're sweating profusely. Uh, sometimes your legs are shaking. But you want to fight through the urge to quickly arrive at that final fully extended extension by kicking. Okay, protect your knee. Get a little bit stronger with each développé and show how beautiful and fascinating it can be for human to lift their leg in the air. I mean, how unique and different and beautiful and odd. <laughs> All of the above. But it, it really is the best way to go about extending your career and also extending your legs uh, and gaining strength. All right. We're almost to the end here. This is a quick podcast today. Frappe. So... Uh, uh, frappe. They're, they are my least favorite things to do in all of class. They are sharp, quick, jarring, and often thrown in patterns that my brain can't pick up at a fast enough clip. Nonetheless, I'm going to tell you two things that I tell myself every time I do frappes. Maybe that's why I can't stand them so much, because I'm so neurotic about them. Uh, so remember, frappe doesn't go out straight. It is not a straight line from the 
the coupe or the sur le coup de pied out to wherever, whichever direction you're going. A frappe strikes the floor and then it, it hits to 45 degrees, exactly the same height as a jeté. For this reason, you need to imagine that no matter how fast you are asked to move, that you are drawing a wide U from your ankle in the coupe or the sur le coup de pied to the floor and then back up to that 45 degrees fully extended in front of you where that typical jeté height would be. It is an undercurve and not a straight line. The other thing, just because I love frappes so much, <laughs> frappes should stay out fully extended as long as possible, unless it's a very specific type of combination that a teacher is giving to emphasize an even frappe, but this is very uh, uncommon. So you want to think of it this way. If each one count frappe was actually four counts, you would strike out and hold for three counts, and then you would only come back into your, your coupe or solo coup de pied position on the fourth count. All right, so leave that frappe out as long as possible, and only for a moment it comes back in. Frappe is not an even exercise, like I said, unless it's taught uh, that way in the combination in the combination to try and emphasize uh something specific that your instructor is looking for. Alrighty, we have made it to the end of bar. We have Grom Bot Ma. So, this is the best part of bar because it is the end. <laughs> really, I love center work. Bar is very hard work for me, so I, I always have something to look forward to when we finish bar by getting to center. But, Grombat Ma, you know you've made it to the end, so I feel like Grombat Ma is, even though it's very large movement, that it's one of the easier combinations, uh, at least emotionally. <laughs> Grombat Ma, or as I like to call them, a tanu that has gone too far. Uh, don't, don't think of leading your Grombat Ma out with your toes. Instead, imagine that you're leading with the top of your fully extended ankle. If we all had amazing feet, which I don't, um, if, but if we did, we would get our legs up and the toes would appear to be below the top of the arch of your ankle because the toes are, your, your ankle and toes would be so flexible that they'd be slightly below the top of your, your ankle, that arch up there, the bendy part on top of your foot. So think about leading with that instead of your toes and that will make sure that your fo foot is fully extended when you get to the top. So why not just pretend that we all have that super flexible foot? <laughs> like I said, if you do this, it ensures that your foot will remain fully stretched when your extension hits its peak. Alrighty, so there you have it. Some floss for your class, some dusting for your foundation, some scrubbing of your glistening technique, and some inspiration to push you forward through these last few months of your season, last few months of your school year, uh, as you prepare for your performances and all of that. Sometimes we just need little cues and reminders to keep us on track towards our best dancing. So, I suggest you write a few of these down, study them before you go into class, and remind yourself about these few bar corrections to make sure that you aren't falling into the trap of repetition or old accidental habits. So there we are. We've made it to the end of our spring 
cleaning technique podcast. Uh, if you have any topics that you'd like to hear me talk about, because I, I can always keep on coming up with topics, but like I said, I, I want to make sure that I'm creating content that is relevant to what you want to hear. So if you have any topics that you'd like to hear me talk about, please feel free to reach out to me via my website contact page at www.barrycorliss.com. Again, that's www.barrycorliss.com. I hope that you enjoyed this week's episode of Pod to Chat Talking Dance. You can reach out to me on my website that I just mentioned if you would like to become a sponsor for our podcast or to book summer intensives or master class classes in ballet or contemporary technique for choreography or for speaking engagements. I hope you enjoyed listening in and talking dance with me. If you enjoyed this chat, please feel free to share, rate, and review our podcast on iTunes. Every bit of extra visibility helps keep these podcasts running. And if this didn't fulfill your dance fix, check out my sister podcast on the premierdancenetwork.com. New hosts from your favorite dance companies are being added monthly. If you want to connect with me to see where I'm choreographing, teaching, and what I'm doing in my everyday life, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, where my name is B. Corollis, or Twitter at Bariscos. Also, be sure to subscribe to my blog, Life of a Freelance Dancer, where I've been writing about working as a freelance artist for over four years. I also have two YouTube channels, B. Corollis featuring my choreography and Core-ography, that's Core-ography, featuring my choreographic web series that tells the life-defining stories of professional dancers through revealing interviews and choreography. Thanks for listening in to Pod Chat. I hope you return next Friday to talk dance with me. And remember to go out and support your local dance scene.